Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Hey, good morning, Seeds Church. How's everybody doing this morning? You extra cold? It's cold outside, but it's warm in the house of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope you've been safe and warm this week. You know, I was, um, I just had this moment this week of, you know, back in November, we put together, or maybe it was October, we put together our blessing bags. You guys remember? To give out to people, maybe who we see on the side of the road, you know, to just be a physical blessing to them. And I still have one left in my car. And I got in my car this week and I uh, just saw that. And it was a reminder for me to like pray for homeless people during this time. And so um, if you see somebody out and about right now, first of all, I'd be shocked. I hope they find shelter somewhere. But just be reminded to pray for them. And if there's any way that we can meet a physical need to open the door to a spiritual need, let's do that, amen? Let's be the people of God. So today marks the 15th day of our 15 days of prayer and fasting. So today is the end of seek. We've began this year of intentionally seeking God and we've uh, been utilizing our prayer guide and journal with each an individual day. We've got prayer topics and focuses and scriptures and devotions. And one of the things I've just... We're, we're coming here to the very end of it, and today's the last day, and just welling up in my spirit over the last couple of days, I'm realizing or remembering that, man, the more that we feast on God, the more we hunger and thirst for him. And, and so as we're coming towards the end of this time period of fasting, I, I'm coming to the end of it going, man, I don't know if I want to stop. I, I mean, this is just me personally. I'm not trying to put something on to you, but I'm just like, there's just something stirring in within me just these last several days that it didn't happen immediately, but now we're here to this place. I'm just like, man, God, I'm hungering and thirsting for you more than I did 15 days ago. And so anyway, that's what fasting and prayer does. It's, it's feasting on God. And when we feast on him, we don't just, you know, come out of, you know, come out of our prayer time with God like we come out of the Mexican restaurant on a Sunday afternoon like, oh man, I ate too much fajitas. No, we, we come out of our prayer and fasting time with God going, man, God, I want more. I want more of you. So praise God, keep going after the Lord. In our first week of our Seek series, we talked about fasting. And we talked about how fasting is not just for like the super religious, it's not for the 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 professional spiritual people like pastors or whoever, it's for every believer. Jesus made that clear that every believer, every follower of his is expected to exercise the spiritual discipline of fasting. And then last week, we talked a little bit more about prayer. It was like a school of prayer, the Seeds School of Prayer. And we talked about five essential things that, that influence effective prayer. Uh, the first one is that we want to pray according to the will of God. And we, the second one is we want to pray with faith. The third one is, is that we want to pray with persistence. The fourth thing was is that we want to pray with as many people possible. 
And, the, and then the fifth thing is, is that we wanna pray like we're in a spiritual battle. So today, let's just continue in that vein of talking about prayer and go ahead and get your Bibles out, get something to take notes on, whether it's pen or paper or even something digital. You can get your phone or your tablet. And because um, this is like session two of Seeds School of Prayer today, and be ready to listen to and write down what you feel like the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you today. There might be things that I say, and there might be things that the Holy Spirit says to you that I, I didn't even say. It's just, just a special download that he has to you. So we're gonna continue with that. I wanna start with this question here. Now, just like everybody's participation, raise your hand if you can identify with this. How many of you wanna be a part of a church that is dying? Raise your hand, no hands go up. How many of you wanna be a part of a church that is not making any kind of eternal impact for the kingdom of God in the lives of those who are in that church or its families or the community? No hands, I, wow. <laughs> How many of you wanna be part of a church that is as dead as a doornail? Raise your hand, nobody. Nobody wants to be a part of a church like that, right? Now, how many of you want to be a part of a thriving, dynamic church that's making a difference on the earth? Okay, praise God. That's the kind of church that we're building here at Seeds Church. And so this is the kind of church where people are surrendering their lives to Jesus and they're growing as disciples and maturing as disciples. This is the kind of church where the fruit of the Spirit is being cultivated in our lives and it's maturing. We're not staying baby Christians, but we're growing up. The, the kind of church where we see the gifts of the Spirit, that it's not just something that we read about in the Scripture, but it's something that we see manifested in our lives. The kind of church where real love and power and unity is present, praise God. That's the kind of church that I wanna be part of, right? That's the kind of church that we're building here at Seeds Church. So here's the thing that we need to understand. We need to understand that a thriving church, a dynamic church, all these things that we talked about, it has nothing to do with the size of the church. It has nothing to do with how culturally relevant or how cool the church is. That, that makes no difference in whether or not the church is thriving or dynamic. Has, makes no difference how many resources the church has, how much money in the bank the church has. That doesn't determine whether it's a thriving or dynamic church. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how busy the church is with all the different programs and activities. That doesn't make a difference on whether or not it's thriving or dynamic. The thing that empowers the church to be a living expression of Jesus on the earth today is, I know many of you know what I'm gonna say, it's what? Prayer. Prayer. If you've been, at, if you've been a part of Seeds Church for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say that sentence <laughs> several times. Prayer is the driving force. Prayer is, a praying church is a dynamic church. It's a thriving church. That's what powers us. So in the book of Acts, we see the early church. We see the early church continually devoting themselves to prayer. Prayer is what's going on that leads up 
to the day of Pentecost on Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes and falls and descends upon them. And then what happens, the result of that is that 3,000 people decide to follow Jesus, become disciples and get baptized. And, 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 and prayer is what fueled the early church to propel the gospel into the earth so powerfully and quickly as it did. And prayer is the thing that continues to give the church power today. Now, unfortunately, there are a lot of Christians who don't ever pray. There's a lot of Christians that don't pray, and and maybe one of the reasons that many Christians don't pray is simply because I, they just don't know how. I don't, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. So it's great and it's good and it's a right thing for to take some time like we're doing to intentionally set apart to say, let's talk about prayer. Let's teach on prayer. But here's the thing about it. I could stand up here and I could tell you everything that I know about prayer and we could be here for hours and hours and hours and then we could take turns and I'll take, I'll step off the stage and then Joshua will come and he'll teach you about what he knows about prayer and then Scott will come and he'll teach you know what he knows about prayer and then Pastor Bob will come and he'll teach you what he knows about prayer and it's like, when are we gonna get out of here? I thought those fajitas at the Mexican restaurant are waiting for me. And, and, and that's probably what you'll be thinking. And it'll be good, and it's great for you to receive that knowledge, but it's not gonna do you any good until you actually start praying yourself. E.M. Bounds, uh, who wrote volumes on the topic of prayer, he said, prayer is not learned in the classroom, it's learned in the closet. It's learned by doing it. It's learned by praying in your own prayer closet. Prayer and it's just most basic understanding, okay? There's a lot of ways that we could come at it. But in its most basic understanding, it's simply just conversation with God. So when you're learning and when you're practicing prayer, understand this. You can't mess it up. So you're so worried, well, I don't know what to say. I, like, are there the certain words, special words that I'm supposed to say? Is there certain things I'm not, I can't say that. No, when you think about it in its most simplest terms, it's conversation. And when I'm having a conversation with my wife and I'm just being honest and open with her and she's being honest and open with me, we just say what's on our heart. And you, you can't mess it up. You're like, sometimes I say what's on my heart and it does mess it up. <laughs> I mean, when your conversation with God, not maybe not your conversation with your spouse, but teasing. Think, think about it for a second. Think about the, the, the people that you have the most natural conversations with. Like where you sit down and man, just, it's just back and forth and it just flows and there's not a lot of super awkward pauses. Or if there is, an, if there is a pause, it's not awkward. It's just like, it's okay to just sit and be in silence together. Why is that? Because you're in relationship with those people and you don't feel the, the tension or the stress of like, well, I've gotta say just the right thing for them to like me or for them to accept me. It's not like that. When you're in relationship with somebody, 
you, you can say whatever you want and they can say whatever they want. And at the end of the day, you love each other. Well, guess what? You may not know God as well as you want to. And that's why you might feel the awkwardness on your part. But know this, God knows you already, inside and out. There's nothing hidden from him. And what he wants is to be in conversation with you. He wants to have prayer with you. He wants to talk with you. And in turn, he wants you to talk with him as well. But if you're just starting out, I just feels a little awkward. Again, I just, I don't know what to say. I don't know if there's right things to say, wrong things to say. It's just awkward. So what? Get over it. Get over yourself. None of us have like put our hand to anything for the very first time and been the expert on it. There's nothing in your life that you have done. It's like the very first time, it's like, oh my gosh, he needs to teach a master class at that. It's the very first time he did that. It's like, well, you're gonna make thousands of pennies on the internet by selling your class. Anyway, um, get over it. Get over the awkwardness. So what? God is not, he doesn't have some kind of scorecard during your prayer time. And he's not like, well, oh yeah, they said that. That was a good thing. I'm gonna give them 100 for that. Oh, no, uh, only a 60 for that. God's not doing that, right? So here's one of the things they say in the military, right? When you're, embrace the sock, right? Embrace the awkwardness. Embrace the messiness. It's okay. And just put your your sights on just developing a relationship with God. Developing a relationship with your creator, your father, in the place of prayer. Why? Because a praying church is a dynamic church. Like I said, it's a good thing, it's a right thing, it's a great thing that we take time, set aside time to intentionally talk about this and teach about this. So today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a look at what some have called the prayer of prayers, more commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. So, I want you to stand with me today. We're gonna honor God's word And we're gonna read this prayer of Jesus's together out loud. And this prayer is is basically right in the heart of the most famous sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. You can find it in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. And right here in the middle of this, Jesus gives us in this short little period right here, he gives us a masterclass on prayer. How many of you wanna learn from Jesus, amen? I do. So once you read with me out loud, we're gonna start here in verse nine. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today 
with humble hearts. God, I just pray if, if there's any pride in us, if there's anything in us that's resisting your work, resisting the work of, of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification in our life, if there's anything in our hearts or our minds that we just look at your teachings, God, and we say, well, those are nice suggestions, God, we repent of that. And we embrace your word, and we love it, and we are thankful for it. Lord, we, we declare to you that we want to be a dynamic church. So, God, we, 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 we want to be a church that's establishing your kingdom here on the earth as it is in heaven. We want to be a church that's making a difference that counts for eternity. So, Father, make us into a praying church. Teach us to pray. Refine us by fire. Empower us to be who you created us to be and do what you called us to do. And it's in the powerful name of our Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Excuse me, I'm still dealing with some sinus stuff, as I know that many of you are as well, so. The Lord's Prayer, it's quite possible that the Lord's Prayer is the, is the maybe the single set of words spoken more often in the history of humankind than any other. It's possible. Jesus gave it to us as a key to unlock the riches of prayer, to unlock the riches of relationship with God. Unfortunately, I think sometimes because of its familiarity that we have with it, it's an untapped resource for many. How many of you grew up in church and you grew up reciting the Lord's Prayer often? Okay, many of us. Um, I know that when I, I grew up in church, but it wasn't any kind of, we, I didn't grow up in liturgical church, but when I would go and I'd visit my aunt, you know, for a couple weeks in the summer or whatever, and she went to the Methodist church, I mean, it was every single Sunday they recited the Lord's Prayer. And it's fantastic, that's wonderful. But sometimes if we don't understand the meaning behind something, if we don't grab the why behind the what, things like that can just kind of become rote and they can lose the power. Not because the, the thing itself loses its power, but it loses its power because we don't give the right attention to it. And I think sometimes the Lord's Prayer is like that sometimes for us, especially for those of us who could just, we can recite it. We don't have to go to Matthew chapter six. It's just kind of we've memorized it and we've prayed it so many times. It can just be easy for us to just kind of just regurgitate. But it needs to be more than that in our life. The first house that, that Jamie and I ever bought uh, was this beautiful two-story house. It was built in 1908, and it had just, it was gorgeous. It was awesome. It had been refurbished, had amazing hardwood floors and woodwork and just ornate. It was beautiful, a lot of character to it. And one of the reasons that we were able to even be able to buy that house was, number one, uh, it was 2002, <laughs> and it... <laughs> And inflation was not out of control, and interest rates were not out of control. And I remember we got a first-time homebuyer's, you know, uh, loan from, from the USDA. 
yeah, we got an agricultural loan for our house. It was, it was cool. And, uh, and that got us into our first piece of real estate owning. And the second reason we were able to buy that house is because it sat on the main street of the town that we lived in. And that main street was U.S. Highway 65. And U.S. Highway 65 was about 50 feet from the front door of that house. I mean, it was a beautiful home that was built in 1908, but as progress happened over a century, you know, the road got closer to the house. <laughs> and, um, and so you just had just a little bit of yard right before you hit the sidewalk in the street. And then just 200 feet down from the front of the house was a traffic light. And so what that meant is, is that, you know, because it's a U.S. highway, you know, you've got 18 wheelers driving by all the time, which was noisy. But then because you had the traffic light there, you had semi-trucks bearing down on their air brakes right in front of my house, which was even noisier. But, you know, after living there for a while, you just kind of don't notice that. It's just kind of normal, right? And if you've come to my house for the very first time, you wouldn't necessarily even know that we lived on the main street because you had to come in through the back alley. So our garage and all the extra parking and everything were on the back alley. No one, like the front door was completely useless. No one came to the front door. The only time we ever went through the front door was if, you know, the high school in our town or the town itself had a little homecoming parade or something like that. And then everybody wanted to come to our house and sit on the front porch and watch the parade. But other than that, no one, like we didn't get our mail at the front door. Not, we didn't park in the front door, none of that. And so I remember the first time that my parents came and visited us when we were in that house. Um, you know, again, you, you come in through the back and we have this tall privacy fence. So you just really have no idea. At first, you're right there on the main street. And the first evening that we're visiting with my parents, we're sitting in the living room, and which is in the front room of the house, like closer to the road, enjoying conversation, having some coffee. And, you know, all of a sudden, my dad jumps up off the couch, about spills his coffee. He's like, whoa, what was that sound? I was like, what sound? He goes, that loud sound. It was like even kind of rattling the windows a little bit. I was like, oh, that was just a semi-truck just laying down on its brakes right there. You know, and, and it, I, I was familiar with that noise. How many of you ever lived near train tracks before? And train would come through and just like, well, that's, you don't even pay attention to it. It's just normal. It's just, well, it's on schedule today, you know. Like, you, you don't even think about it because you're so familiar with it. And, and I think it's that same way with the Lord's Prayer sometimes, whether we realize it or not. The whole world is starving for connection with God. And Jesus is like, hey, here, I wanna show you this. I wanna show you how you can come face to face with the creator and the king of the universe every single day. And I wanna show you how you can pour your heart out to him and know for sure that he's listening. And it's all right here in the Lord's Prayer. It's all right here in the prayer of prayers. And sometimes we miss it because it's just so familiar to us. So today, I wanna just take some time and look at this just a little deeper. I mean, we're not even gonna go as deep as we could, but we're gonna take a, take a look at these five verses here and draw some richness. So let's just start at the very beginning here. 
Our Father who art in heaven. Everybody say that with me. Our Father who art in heaven. Here we are, we're, we're engaging with God in conversation, right here in the very beginning, and we remind ourselves of who he is. God, you are our Father. We address him as Heavenly Father. For us to even be able to call God our Father is actually praying in the name of Jesus. Why is that? Because who would be so incredibly bold to call themselves a son or daughter of God unless they had been adopted by grace through Jesus Christ? Praise God. Think about that for a second. Jesus is the only one who makes it possible for us to call God our Father. You don't make it possible. There's nothing that you can do ever that, that qualifies you to be a child of God. There's nothing that I can do for you. There's nothing that your parents or grandparents can do for you. Only Jesus makes it possible for us to address the creator and king of the universe as our father. Don't let that be familiar. Let that be a special thing in your heart. When we address God as our father, it should remind us of our standing in Christ before we bring any request to him. God, even though you have the right, every right, Lord, you have every right to severely judge me. Thank you that because of Jesus that I get to call you Father. Praise God. And so the trust in our hearts of God's fatherly love, it makes it possible only through the sacrifice of Jesus. And that's the foundation of our relationship with him and our conversations in prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. Next part is this. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is a word that we almost never use anymore in the English language, or at least in the modern English language. What does it mean? It means to honor is holy. We're honoring is holy. It means that we're greatly revering the Lord. We have great respect for God, the, most, the utmost respect for God. So when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, God, even the mention of your name is holy. We revere and we respect you because of who you are. One of our problems is that I, th I think that the real meaning of holiness is alien in our culture. We have no concept of it. If you know me very well, you know that I like going to concerts, right? Uh, Jelana has got some friends home from college here, and we were just talking about uh, some concerts last night, you know, uh, that I'm jealous that I haven't been able to go to. But a few years ago, I took my son to see Leonard Skinner. Come on, guys. Some of you are like, should have been like, oh, yeah, mm, yeah. Free bird, come on. Some of you are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he went to see Leonard Skinner. 
and took his son. We're never coming back to this church ever again. All right, we'll bless your heart. So, or bless my heart. So, it was great. Bad Company opened for Leonard Skinner. It was like, it was awesome, man. I tell you what. I mean, if it had just been Bad Company, I would have enjoyed the concert, but it was, it was awesome. And there was, it was fun. It was a lot of energy in the room. It was, it was like a bucket list. You know, Skinner had come through town a few times since we moved back here uh, in late 2011, and I had not taken my son, or I had not gone to see them. I had not taken anybody to see them. And so it was like, you never know. One day, these guys might be done, and I will have missed my opportunity. So I'm like, we're going this time. So we went. It was great. And in the middle of the concert, um, probably I would, if I have to guess, it was probably during Free Bird or right after Free Bird, uh, Johnny Van Zant, he's the lead singer, he said something. He said, he talked about the moment that they were ha- we were all having in, the, in Bridgestone Arena, and he said that it was a holy moment. And uh, I'm, I'm 99.99% sure that Johnny Van Zant was not trying to be sacrilegious. And, and, I, and I, he, said, he said a lot of things that make me firmly believe that he's actually a Christian. He's a believer. Praise God. So I don't think he was being sacrilegious. But I also don't think that he has a really great concept of what holy is. <laughs> Because I was having a great time at Bridgestone, and a lot of the whole arena was, but it wasn't holy. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't ungodly. <laughs> Not where I was sitting. I smelled some ungodliness in the air a few rows away from me, but not right where I was sitting. It smelled a little skunky, but anyway. Uh, but I'm like, this is not, this is fun, but this is not holy. And I think our culture doesn't have a full or a good concept or grasp of what holiness is. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are coming into agreement with a prayer that we see repeated throughout the scriptures. I mean, like um, in First Chronicles, we see this. We see it several times throughout the Psalms. We see it in Isaiah, in Malachi, in Romans, in Revelation. It's scattered all throughout the scripture. And in the prayer, something like this, it goes, God, be glorified among the nations as you are glorified among us. And what that is, it's a prayer and it's a request that we would honor God with our Christ-likeness and with the holiness in our own lives and that because of that, more and more people would come to know and honor and respect and revere the Lord. So when we hallow God's name, we develop a heart of gratitude and joy toward God with a wondrous sense of his awesomeness. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. What do you mean, thy kingdom come? I mean, isn't God already reigning? Isn't he already reigning? Well, certainly, he's already reigning. But let's do this exercise together real quick. Just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. And then I want you to take your hands... Some of you aren't closing your eyes. You're thinking like, what is he gonna do? He's gonna trick me. 
He's gonna run up and slap me when I didn't see him. Close your eyes and take your hands and put your hands in front of your eyes, okay? So here's the deal. Just right now, like, just like it's possible right now for you to sit into this room and for you, with your eyes closed and your hands in front of your eyes, to refuse the presence of any light in this room, it's possible for you also to refuse God's authority. You can open your eyes. Did you hear that? God's reigning, God's in authority, but because we have free will, we don't have to acknowledge it. We were created to serve God. We were created to be subjects in his kingdom. But when we serve other things in God's place, that's when our problems develop. Maybe not all of them, but that's where a lot of them develop. When we pray, thy kingdom come, what we're doing is we're asking God to be in charge of every part of our lives. God, be in charge of my emotions. Thy kingdom come. God, be in charge of my desires. Thy kingdom come. God, be in charge of my relationships. Thy kingdom come. God, be in charge of my finances. Thy kingdom come. Be in charge of my commitments. And so on and so forth. 16th century English reformer, Thomas Cranmer, put it this way. He said, that we may obtain that which thou dost promise. Make us to love that which thou dost command. In other words, we declare to God that we want to be submitted to his authority, that it's our pleasure and our joy to obey him with all of our hearts. Well, sometimes it's not my pleasure and my joy. Okay, well, is it your kingdom or is it his kingdom? Good thing that I don't live my life based on my feelings, because if I did, my life would be a train wreck. How many of you know people that just do whatever it is that they feel like? And how many of them, are their lives are train wrecks? Okay. It doesn't have, to, I don't have to feel it in order for it to be true. I don't have to feel it in order to act on it. I, I act on it because it's already true. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my kingdom, his kingdom. God is sovereign, but right now here on the earth, his reign is only partial. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, we are declaring our desire for the future where all suffering and all sickness and poverty and disease and death will be no more. Which leads us to the next phrase. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Unfortunately, a lot of people, 
they don't understand this phrase in its entirety. Many of us just understand the part where it says, thy will be done, right? And so we just assume that everything that happens on earth is somehow like, well, that's the way that God wanted it, you know? Well, my sister-in-law has cancer. Well, it's not for us to question God. He knows best. Well, my best friend was killed in a car accident. But God has a plan. Or my boss is insecure. And he fired me. But I'm trusting God that he knows what he's doing. Think about, for a second, children that are part of human trafficking. You think that's God's will? You think that that's his will being done on earth? Listen, bad things happen every single day. Why do bad things happen? Well, number one, because sin entered to the earth. When sin came into the earth, the entire earth now was corrupted and is in a state of decay. That's why we need to pray for the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's one reason. It's because the earth is in a state of decay. There was no cancer before sin entered the earth. The other reason is because we have an enemy. We have an enemy who, Peter says, it's prowling around like a roaring, roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The devil hates you because you're created in the image and likeness of God. And he's doing everything that he can to hurt you and to keep you from being in unity and in relationship with your creator and your father. And the third thing is, is that we all have free will. God created you with free will, which means my choices, they have consequences. And your choices have consequences. And, and my choices don't only just affect me, but they affect others around me. So bad things happen every single day. I used to think about it this way, bad things happen to good people, and here's why, and those three reasons that I gave. But I recently saw a quote, I can't remember who it was by, some theologian, and they said, uh, some people say, why do bad things happen to good people? That's only happened ever once. And then he overcame. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there is no sickness, praise God. In heaven, there is no death. In heaven, there is no poverty. In heaven, there is no suffering. In heaven, there is no injustice. Praise God. And so if everything that is happening is already God's will, then why even pray? Why even pray? If everything that happens is already the will of God, if it's already God's will, if it's his will that, my sister-in-law has cancer, then what gives me any right whatsoever to pray to God for her healing with any kind of confidence or boldness? 
doesn't make sense. If everything that happens is the will of God, then why should I ever pray for my family members and friends who are lost? Why should I ever pray for them to come to know Jesus, for them to surrender their lives wholeheartedly and become disciples of him? Because I mean, well, I mean, everything is, is the will of God, and so, you know, either they're gonna go to heaven or hell, so why even pray for them all? See, it doesn't make any sense. God's will is that his kingdom would be established on the earth, and the first place that that begins to happen is in the place of prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven then what happens is that our hearts and our thoughts come into alignment with the hearts and the thoughts of God. Our heart begins to burn for the things that God, his heart burns for, and our heart begins to break for the things that his heart breaks for. And so then the Holy Spirit begins to empower us, and we begin to see what God sees, and the Holy Spirit asks us to take steps of obedience in faith, and then what we begin seeing is that God's will is being done on the earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. He's doing it through us. So we've talked about how we address God. We've talked about these th first three petitions. Have you noticed the significance of where they are in the prayer? They're all at the beginning. <laughs> it's, it's all right here in the very first part because our needs and our issues are not the dominating and driving force here. The first thing that we do when we come to the Lord is we praise him and we honor him. And, and so being God-centered and God-focused and giving him honor and giving him thanksgiving, that comes first. Why? Because it defeats our self-centeredness and our own selfishness. So we're halfway through here in the prayer and what's going on here? Our vision is reframed and clarified by the greatness of God. So now it's appropriate that we can turn our attention to our needs and to the needs of others around us and the needs of this world. And so in the first three petitions of this prayer, we recognize the greatness of of God and who he is and his holiness and that he himself is our provision. He himself is our food. He himself is our bread. And now Jesus charges us to bring our prayer list into line with this new frame of heart. And that's when we pray now, give us this day our daily bread. We come to God with our needs expecting God to respond positively. I mean, Jesus talks about it over and over and over again, about how we can ask and seek and knock and that we can know that the Father hears us and we can know that he's going to answer us. We don't approach God with arrogance, but we can approach him with boldness. Praise God. We, we don't even, we don't have to approach the Lord anxiously. Or like anxiously and even in the sense of like telling God what has to happen. Well, God, you, you gotta do this for me because if you don't come through with this, then this is gonna happen and I'm done. No, instead, it's like, Father, 
fear is trying to choke me right now, but God, I'm reminded of who you are and that how big you are and that nothing is impossible with you and that you love me. So God, it's with confidence, knowing that you see me and you hear me and that you are at work. I'm here asking you to intervene in this situation and I'm asking for all of my needs to be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Give us this day our daily bread. And the fifth petition is about our relationships, both with God and with others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I really like forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who've transgressed against us, but it doesn't fit on the screen as nicely. So, <laughs> so we'll go with this version. Transgressions. Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, not the king. Uh, anybody gonna get that? Anyway. <laughs> Martin Luther from like, you know, the 15 to 1600s. Um, he said this about the, this part of prayer. If anyone insists on his own goodness and despises others, let him look into himself when this petition confronts him. He will find he is no better than others and that in the presence of God, everyone must duck his head and come into the joy of forgiveness only through the lowly door of humility. This petition is not only a challenge to our pride, but it's also a challenge to spiritual reality. If you find that confession and repentance doesn't produce increased confidence and joy in your life, then I would, would gather to say this, you don't really have a good understanding of grace, which is the very essence of the gospel. Confession and repentance, I mean, there, yes, we come before the Lord with contrite hearts, but when we know that we have received forgiveness, what great joy does that bring? And gratitude. Jesus here, he tightly connects our relationship with God and our relationship with others. It works two ways. If we haven't sought forgiveness from God for our own sin, we aren't really positioned to forgive those who've wronged us. So unresolved bitterness is a sign that you're keeping God at arm's length in some area of your relationship with him. And, and if you're actively holding a grudge towards someone and against someone and you're refusing to forgive them, isn't it hypocritical of us to ask God to forgive us of our transgressions? The marvelous thing is, is that when we come to God with a heart of repentance, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, is that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news? Praise God. And what else is good news is that, that if Jesus commands us to forgive others, then that means he has supernatural power and ability stored up for me in order to be able to do that. Praise God. Forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation. Here we need to make an important distinction. The prayer is not that, you know, keep us from being tempted, but it's that we should not be led into temptation. There are many things that we can do to avoid temptation. And we should be vigilant to not voluntarily put ourselves in situations where we might easily fall into temptation. If you have a problem with alcohol, this is just an example. If you have a problem with alcohol, it's probably not a good idea for when after work, the guys at work say, hey, let's go out over here to the bar and, you know, for a couple of hours and have a good time, have a drink. That would be you putting yourself in a place of temptation if that's an issue for you, okay? Now apply that same principle to whatever it is that maybe you have, you know, you're prone to be tempted. Don't put your, don't voluntarily put yourself in stupid situations, you know? If you, if you have an issue with pornography in your life, you know, maybe you should not sign up to go do the strip club ministry, you know, minister to the girls at the club. You know, so there, there are those ministries that do exist. And praise God for the people that God has called to minister to those women or to minister to prostitutes on the street. But if you have an issue with that, why don't you just pray for that team as they go forth? You know what I'm saying? That's why in our own justice system, they don't allow like known criminals to like, like if you're on probation, you're like, you gotta stay away from other felons. Like you don't get to be roommates and share rent with other felons. And probation officers go and check up on that because they know birds of a feather flock together. All right, praise the Lord. There's that, but here's the deal. Not all temptations are avoidable, right? Jesus told Peter, James, and John in Matthew chapter 26, he says, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was saying, hey, don't even consider or entertain the idea of giving in to sin. Most of the time when temptation comes, if we give into it, we first have given into it in our head and in our heart before we even gave into it in our actions, right? The great thing is, just like Jesus has supernatural power for you to forgive others as he forgives you, the Holy Spirit has supernatural power for us, right, to help us to be holy as he is holy. I'm gonna say that again so that you can rejoice the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has supernatural power available to you for you to be holy as he is holy. Yeah. Praise God. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, it is absolutely impossible. But with, by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the Spirit, it absolutely is possible. The seventh and final petition. Some of you are like, the fajitas, the fajitas. Listen, <laughs> hang on. It's warm in here, just remember that. 
Deliver us from evil. It also can be translated this way. Deliver us from the evil one. That is the devil, Satan and his cohorts. And we are to pray against specific evils that originate from the kingdom of darkness. We have an enemy. We talked about this last week. Pray like you are in a spiritual battle. We have an enemy, but the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in and dwells in me. And in you, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, the enemy has no authority over you. He may come at you, but he has no authority over you. And if you are in Christ, Jesus Christ has given you authority to overcome the power of the enemy. Praise God. Here's the final thought. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We return, after all of this, we return to the truth of God's complete sufficiency. And our hearts can be at peace remembering that nothing can ever snatch away his kingdom. Nothing has power over the kingdom of God. Nothing has power over his power. Nothing can snatch away his glory. Nothing can take away or diminish any of those things. Praise God, that gives me peace. That gives me rest. That gives me inner energy. That gives me power because of him. Because I'm in his kingdom. When Jesus gave us this model, he wasn't trying to lock us into a particular set of specific words. What he was doing is was he was pointing us to content and pattern. Jesus's prayer is a summary of all other effective prayers. Jesus is guiding us here in this prayer. He's guiding us on emphasis and topic and purpose and even in spirit. And so everyone here, you guys know what twice dailies is? Some of y'all are more excited about twice dailies than you are about Jesus. I'm gonna pray for you. It's just a gas station. You're like, no, but it's a special gas station. It's where the Holy Spirit gets its gas. No, no calm down. Twice dailies. Long before, long before the automobile was even ever created. Twice daily was a prayer method. Martin Luther used to use the twice daily prayer method. And he would take the Lord's Prayer twice every single day. And what he would do is he would personalize it and paraphrase it. I think, what a, what a great model for us. I know people that have been in seasons of their life that have done this very same thing and they've just even taken their phone and set a reminder in their calendar with an alarm that goes off and it reminds them, oh, yeah, it's time for me to pray. And they don't do it because out of like just, you know, religiosity, they do it because, oh, it's I wanna take this time intentionally to talk to the Father and remind myself of who he is and his power and bring my petitions before him with confidence and boldness. The actual words of your prayer 
may be different. And that's okay, that's cool. But the sense and the essence should follow Jesus's prayer. Absolutely, there's absolutely room for free-form praise and petitions before the Lord. But we need to allow Jesus's prayer here to imprint itself on our prayers, right? We're not gonna be Christians who run around and just read this from time to time and go, well, isn't that a nice suggestion? No, 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 no. We're gonna be Christians who say, no, we're gonna hide God's word, God's word in our heart that we may not sin against him. We're gonna be Christians who, who digest this and then it comes out of us, it pours out of us. That if God's word says it, if Jesus says it, then I'm gonna do it. That's the kind of Christians we're gonna be. I wanna say this too. Too many Christians think that their prayer life is, a, is just only a private thing. Well, it's just between me and God. Yeah, but the prayer model that Jesus just gave us was not singular, it was communal. Our Father who art in heaven. Your prayer life should not just be restricted to private prayers only. Yes, of course, there's time and place for that. There's room for that. But we talked about this last week. We want to pray with as many people as possible, right? Whether that be we're gathered here in worship or on a Wednesday night in a prayer meeting or whether you're at the table with your family or in the coffee shop with a friend or in the aisle of the grocery store with a stranger. Let's pray. Why? Because if prayer is conversing with God and if one of its purposes is to know God better, then this can happen even better in community. Because by praying with others, you're gonna be able to sometimes hear and see facets of God that you may not have recognized before. I love praying with other people. I love it. Sometimes they're praying something and they pray something that it was already on my heart. And I was like, oh yeah, praise God. I, I agree with that. And sometimes they pray something out and I didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's true. I'm so glad that they prayed that. I'm so reminded of that truth from God's word. And I come into agreement with that. And it reminds me of the goodness of God. So with this gained understanding about the Lord's prayer, let's practice it now. So I wanna ask you to stand with me as we're getting ready to close. What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray through this again. And we're gonna just pray it one line at a time with some space in between. And so during this, the, the space that's in between here, I wanna give you the opportunity to in your own words, speak to God on that specific line. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna say the line, I want all of you to repeat it right after me, and then we'll just take some seconds, and then you can just pray your own words to the Lord on that, okay? Just repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. God, we just thank you that you are our Father. You're not some distant 
being in the cosmos who's far away. But because Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, came and he walked this earth and he died a selfless death, and he rose from the grave, it made it possible for us to call you Father. We're so thankful for that. We're so grateful for Jesus. Hallowed be thy name. your name is so holy. There is nothing or no one above you. God, when we say that your name is holy, we are recognizing that you are supreme. And so God, we just pray that if we have any idols in our life, God, that we try to to worship in addition to you or elevate above you, we pray that you would crush those things. And God, that we we would disassociate ourselves. God, that we would burn the Asherah poles in our life. God, that we would tear down the altars of Baal in our life, Lord God, because hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. God, your kingdom what you're trying to build, what heaven looks like now. That's what we want. Your kingdom, your reign, your dominion, your power. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, not our will, your will. God, we don't even know what we want. So we say, we want what you want. God, you come where you're wanted, so we want you. Your will be done here on earth as in heaven. Your will be done in my own heart, God, where things are going on that nobody even knows about. I want it to be done, even in my own heart, God. Your will be done in my family, God. Your will be done in my business, Lord God. Your will be done in my relationship with my my family, my kids, my extended family, God. Your will be done even on my kids' baseball team, Lord God. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, just like you provided for the Israelites every single day when they were on their way to the promised land in the wilderness, you provided for them daily manna. God, you took care of them. There was nothing that they, they were in the wilderness, God. There was nothing that they could do except depend on you. You did it. And Lord, we depend on you. It doesn't matter what the economy looks like. It doesn't matter what my income looks like. It doesn't matter all these things, Lord God. It doesn't matter our upside, upside down government, Lord God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter any of those things, Lord God. You, you are the one that provides for us. Give us our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. so thankful 
for your, your grace and your forgiveness in our lives. And we are not too proud to come and say, God, forgive us for these places in our lives where we need, we need it. We repent. And now, Lord, help us, empower us with supernatural power and ability to forgive those who have trespassed and transgressed against us. We need your help to do it. We do not wanna be chained to unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. But we wanna, we wanna walk in the freedom of forgiveness. You've shown us forgiveness. Now may we follow your example and show forgiveness to others. Give us the power to do it in the name of Jesus. And lead us not into temptation. Give us the spirit of wisdom. We don't find ourselves returning back to temptation and sin like a dog returns to its vomit gun. Lord, let us follow you and let us desire, let us have desire for holiness. Let us hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, I thank you that you said right, right there in the Sermon on the Mount, right before this, right before you taught us to pray, you said that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Fill us, God. But deliver us from evil. Jesus, we thank you that you have already accomplished this. The spiritual reality is, is that you are already the victor. If the evil one is still loose on this earth and demons are still loose on this earth and it is very real, we thank you that we are not under their authority, we're under your authority. We need your power presence and your wisdom to be at work in our lives that we will also overcome like you have overcome. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yes, God. Nothing can take away or diminish your kingdom and your power and your glory. You get it all, God. You get it all. You get it all. You get it all. Everything that I am, God, everything that I have, God, every resource available to me, you get it all. It all belongs to you, God. My family belongs to you, God. My innermost thoughts belong to you, God. You are in control and you get all the glory. And everybody said amen. 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 Give God some glory. Now listen, what did I say at the beginning? Prayer is not learned in the classroom. It's learned in the closet. 
a dynamic church is a praying church. So don't walk out of here and go, well, wasn't that nice? I learned some things today. Yeah, walk out of here and go, man, I learned some things today. I'm gonna put them into practice. I'm gonna take my phone out right now and I'm not gonna put in my navigation to go to twice daily. I'm gonna just set on my calendar twice daily. I'm gonna pray. And let's get back here on Wednesday for the prayer meeting and let's pray with as many people possible because a praying church is a dynamic church, amen? amen. So Lord, I just bless your people here today. I pray that you would, God, give them the spirit of wisdom, give them boldness. Lord, I pray for the fruit of the spirit to be cultivated in their life. Lord, I pray for them to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, I pray that the gifts of the spirit would be released in their life, Lord God. Lord, that character and integrity would be markers of the people here and, and supernatural power. Lord, I pray blessing over the men here, God, as they lead their families in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would be the spiritual leaders of their home. And God, for those who just, uh, us who need a lot of help with that, we ask you for help. Lead us and guide us. And Lord, I pray that we would stay connected with each other, the body of Christ, that we can sharpen one another and we can grow as disciples in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, our prayer team is gonna come down here in the front. If you have need for prayer for anything in your life whatsoever, if you're here today and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, we wanna pray with you. So I'm getting ready to, to bless you, to be dismissed, but if you need prayer for anything whatsoever, you come forward. Now, go in peace and in power to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Jesus, you're dismissed. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at seedschurchtn.com. And on social media, our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.